At Cambridge Assessment International Education, we deliver qualifications in more than 10,000 schools and in over 160 countries worldwide. Currently, we have opportunities for teachers to join us as assessment specialists in a wide variety of subjects at Cambridge IGCSE, O-Level and AS and A-Level. Assessment specialists cover a number of roles, including creating exam content, marking answers and moderating candidates' work. Our international reputation for excellence, fairness and reliability rests on the shoulders of assessment specialists. Becoming an assessment specialist is a great professional development opportunity. You will gain a powerful insight into the teaching and assessment of Cambridge qualifications, which you can use to inform your own teaching practice. Understanding exactly how an examination works and what the assessment process is will improve your own teaching in the classroom. With many different opportunities available, there is so much that we can offer. Visit www.cambridgeinternational.org forward slash examiners for more information. Hello there. Welcome to another JogPod conversation. Today, I've got two, well, rather special guests joining me. With me today, I've got Paula Richardson and Alan Parkinson. Welcome to JogPod. Morning, John. Good morning, John. Nice to be here. Nice to be on JogPod. <laughs> well, it's nice to have you two on. Um, although, <laughs> I think we could have a whole day here, never mind an hour. If I tried to list everything that you two have done in geography and beyond, to be fair, you two wouldn't get a, a word in for the first hour. I'd just be spouting what you've done. So I'm going to try a very brief introduction. I'm going to be leaving lots out, so I'm sorry about that. But uh, here goes. Just to, uh, just to set the scene for people who perhaps haven't met you two, Paula, you were a teacher for 17 years and an author of, well, so many books on geography and fieldwork that... Um, I've lost count. You are chair of the Geographical Association Publications Board. You're a member of the Fieldwork Special Interest Group. You're an initial teacher educator. We've had long conversations about what you've done with John St. John's Ambulance as a trainer. You're co-director of the Educators Abroad ALQTS program. Yeah, I could go on. And Alan, what can I say? Current president of the Geographical Association, well-deserved, an award-winning geography teacher, I'm not going to list all your awards. That would go on forever. And like Paula, you've authored many books too. You've created countless resources, some of which I've had the pleasure of working with you on. Your Living Geography blog now has, um, I think, six million page views. It's been fun working with both of you, and I think it's going to be a, a really interesting and uh, valuable job pod for teachers who are listening in for advice. Because <laughs> when I totted this up, there's over 100 years of geography teaching experience between us in this podcast. So there you go. Thank you, John. Oh my goodness, 100 years. <laughs> I, yes. just, I just keep repeating the same year over and over again. <laughs> yes, well, when you add it up, it does look a bit frightening, doesn't it? Yes, but, uh, there we go. It all sounds rather scary. Listen, given that there's 100 years worth of experience here, I thought it might be a good idea to start just by looking at something that's happened this year through the Geographical Association. Uh, the National Research Report was published this year. It's taken a year to make, and it's, um, it's tried to focus on better understanding the professional needs and views of teachers of geography. It's easy enough, I think, for the Geographical Association to assume, but it's a much better process to actually find out, and then for the GA to be able to respond appropriately. So Alan, as president while this has been involved in the making, I thought I'd, I'd come to you first for a, just for a comment about how it came about and what the process was. Yes, thank you John. So uh, this was our sort of national research report and it started really as the idea of a listening exercise. Periodically the GA as a membership organisation really does need to I guess remind itself that it's, it's, it's easy for us to keep putting stuff out and think that people will want what we produce. But actually, we need periodically to ask people whether what we're providing is, is appropriate for the, the current needs. Because obviously, geography teaching, uh, teaching of any subject, adap adapts and changes over time. So what was perhaps helpful in the 1980s or 1990s isn't so helpful now. And of course, we've just 
come through a period of time when many teachers have had to rapidly change what they taught, how they taught, and really learn very quickly uh, to help support learners who are also going through you know, the same challenges. And so it started out with a sort of an online survey where uh, members were asked a series of questions about the provision that the GA provided for them. Uh, and then we asked some of those uh, people whether they were willing to take part in the second stage of the process, which was focus group discussions. We really wanted to, to draw in people who weren't necessarily members as well, because obviously one of the aspects of this is to find out what, what is it that helps people join the GA, stay members of the GA. And if people aren't members of the GA, well, well why not? And uh, is there something that we could do you know, to help draw them into to the association? So I was uh, very pleased to be part of that pro- second process and actually to chair one of the group discussions. And it was really interesting. We had a series of simple questions and very open discussions, really. And Mark Goddard from the GA, the membership manager, he, he was really steering the process of, of gathering this information. As a result of that, um, all of the recordings, the sessions, that was then passed through to Emma Rawlings-Smith and Alan Kinder, who between them sort of shaped the final written report, which was published, uh, I think, a couple of months ago now. The participants you know, were, were many in number. And from that, a series of key themes came out of that. Part of it was the impact of COVID-19. Part of it was the issues of subject specialism and the, who was teaching geography in the schools and the difficulties in recruitment and retention and those sorts of things, which are across the profession, really. We also looked at the actual value that teachers attached to the GA and found that they you know, really did value what we, what we were doing. And in particular, the importance of networking. Uh, and of course, the final thing that came out very, very strongly was about diversity and inclusion within geography education, something that the GA, as with all subject associations, have been looking at, not, not just this year, but you know, specifically in the last couple of years, that's been a real focus. And what it then did was identify some recommendations for policymakers, for the GA itself, and also for those involved in teacher, teacher education. And one particular thing that came out from that was the sort of fragile status of fieldwork. Um, and that was something that it was felt that perhaps the GA needed to give a little bit of extra focus to, hence, well, well hence the reason why we, we're here having the chat today, which will emerge across the next hour. Did you come up with any, uh, or did they come up with any, anything that surprised you? If, and if so, what were the, the major surprises? I don't think there were any major surprises as such. It was, it was nice to, to feel that we were doing, broadly doing the right thing. I think that there were some, some ideas around just the, the experiences of, of, of teachers and students and the unequal nature of that, which I guess wasn't the surprise, but uh, some of the particular challenges that you know, some colleagues are facing. It's, it's, it's easy to, to be, as a teacher, you know, you're, you're within your own school and you're focusing on what you're doing. But down the road, this, there could be a colleague who's, you know, really struggling and uh, isn't always isn't always asking for help or feels able to ask for help. And so it, I think that's something that we need to, you know, always keep pushing this idea of supporting each other in whatever ways and reaching out to people who perhaps aren't members of the association. So aren't aware, perhaps, of the support or perhaps also aren't able to financially access um, the support of the GA. Because, of course, uh, some schools are facing challenging circumstances. I think broadly, of course, the people who were in those discussions, you know, were, were, were wanting to be part of the community. So it's those people who are missing. It's the people missing from those conversations that we need to really think about and draw in. And that's why, you know, whatever we, whatever we do at the GA, we're always trying to, to reach as many people as possible. But there's always going to be those people we can't reach. And, and those might be the people who we really do need to reach the most. It's the same yeah. as parent, parents' evenings. You know, the parents who come to parents' evenings aren't necessarily the ones that you'd really like to have a chat with. You know, I suppose that's the definition of hard to reach. They're just hard to read. <laughs> yes. I think, I think uh, one of the things about this report is that it's eminently readable. It's also relatively short. So many reports that come out are tomes uh, and you spend a long time and everybody just rushes to the summer, summary at the end. Um, I think this has been very well written in, in, and captured the views. I think the other thing about the report is um, it's a bit like the sort of geography and fieldwork relationship. It's, it's active geography. In other words, it's taking the, the thoughts and, and views of teachers and what's happening out in the classroom. And I, I think that's really, really important. We're not having to sort of, it's not theorising in the sense, it's actually looking at what's happening on the ground. And I think it's a really, really important report. The other thing about it is it's a report 
which has come out in, in the sort of post COVID-19 pandemic time. And, uh, and I think that's really important because that has had enormous, that pandemic has had enormous changes on our lives. I mean, who'd have thought we'd have been zooming around the world and chatting and so on. It's moved technology on about 10 years in 18 months. So I think the report is, um, you know, and uh, it's, it's really good from the point of view of being easy to read, accessible, and bringing up key themes which teachers will relate to, and schools, we hope, will relate to. The other thing about the report is it gives teachers confidence to be able to go to senior managers and say, look, this is a, an official report and we ought to be doing something about these themes where we're, as, as Alan has pointed out, where we're falling short. I definitely agree with you about it being re readable. While I've done some of these podcasts, I've been reading academic pieces and I have had to read them two, three, four times. Mm. And I know they're in English. David Lambert used to say, the chief executive of the GA before Alan Kinder, that uh, academic English is a second language for everybody, including English people. And uh, <laughs> this is very clear. You're right. I think it's a, it's mm. a, it's a, it is succinct. And it does highlight some of the issues from a teacher's point of view, it's it's certainly in the way that it went about doing the listening exercise. It's listened to the first time, I think, to people who've perhaps felt they haven't had a voice so much. I'd, I'd like to focus on the, the second thing, because as, as Alan pointed out earlier, it, it, we have got National Fieldwork Week coming up this year. And we do want to promote the idea of fieldwork in geography. And it's one that Geography is one of the few subjects that talks about fieldwork in schools. Even in our day, I would think, there were people who were saying, why do you want to take them away for a week? That's going to get in the way of my maths learning. That's going to get in the way of this, that and the other. So, Paul, just you go well experienced with this. Talk us through. Why do we have to do fieldwork? What's its value? What would you say to a leadership team who's saying, oh, well, I'm very sorry, but I don't need to go away for a week? Yes, you've alluded to a very important point there, actually. Um, I think if tackled, most people would think, yes, fieldwork is, is a good idea and, and have some notion of what pupils should do. Uh, but, you you know, the devil is always in the detail and it's the actual organising of it. And you already said, you know, some teachers would, you know, are worried about, um, you know, students lo losing time in, in other lessons. Um, I mean, fieldwork is really, uh, if you like, it's sort of the, um, it's the glue that holds all the geography together, the environmental aspects of physical, the human and so on. It's rather like, uh, um, you know, if you were doing uh, physics uh, or, or chemistry or whatever without any experiments, you were just sort of watching somebody demonstrate it. And, and I think... Most teachers re recognize um, that, you know, taking youngsters out not only sort of develops curiosity and information and, 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 and various skills and techniques that, of gathering information, but there are an awful lot of other things attached to going out. Children get very used, or students, even older ones, get very used to being in the classroom where everything is, everything is to hand, it's not raining on them. Uh, and going out has a lot of other social skills, adapt, you know, which they have to adapt to, organising themselves, being out of their comfort zone, um, having to deal with strangers outside, you know, traffic and so on. So that actually... Uh, going out on field work um, has lots of extra bonuses, as well as actually looking at the environment. The other thing that I think is very important, um, people worry about the cost of, uh, of going out on field work. And yes, obviously, um, the cost of coaches, the cost of travel uh, is often uh, quite a, a difficulty for taking them out. So um, it's interesting that Children often, they may live in the area, but they actually don't know much about it. And, and children tend not to be very observant. So they'll walk to school or get brought in the car to school uh, and parents tend to try and park as close as they can to the school. Uh, and they often don't know much about um, the environment as itself. They have very little appreciation of where they live uh, what the environment is like, what the, the good sides are and what the, the issues are. So I think fieldwork 
um, really is, as I say, the, the, the super glue for geography. It really brings, brings home to them what geography actually means. And of course, they're learning all sorts of other organisational skills uh, when they go have to organise themselves outside, which comes quite as a shock to some of them who uh, are used to everything being done for them, everything being in place. So lots of what we might call uh, value added uh, to organising fieldwork. Do either of you think that the leap that we've made with sort of virtual meetings and Zoom will make some leadership teams think, oh, I know, let's go for virtual fieldwork. I know, Alan, you've used a quote before and I can't remember who said it, but you'll remind me. Virtual fieldwork is like a virtual pint of beer. But I'm sure some people will be talking about, oh, well, why don't you just do it virtually? And you can take them to wonderful places. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, well, I think we both have. I mean, virtual field work has its place um, and you can access amazing in different places, you know, where and um, particularly during a pandemic where, you know, travel wasn't possible and so on. There is, you know, in my view, there, there is a place um, and often you can practice skills and, and you can identify what you might do there uh, and it can help to underpin going out in the environment but I think uh, that the virtual beer is a, <laughs> is a very good very good illusion there I hadn't I'd sort of heard thought about that you know you don't get the idea of, of actually the, the differences and I think one of the things that really important about going out on field work is when you are recording things observing things and identifying things out side it is what is happening on that day it's the real world uh, and you know you go out and you get children looking at whatever traffic and then suddenly there's nothing there because the road's closed because actually they, they, they're, they're digging the water pipes up again and you know there, there is there is no immediacy uh, of um, field work uh, which is visual but on the other hand, it, it, I think it has its place and works alongside. But uh, there is no substitute for, for actually going out and having the, the outside experience. Go on, I'll remind me whose quote it was. Well, I think it's attributed to Chris Durbin, um, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, among with many other um, really helpful observations. Yeah, virtual fieldwork. I mean, I, I, was, I wrote quite a lot of resources for Google, for the Google Expeditions app as it was and also did some research with Shelley Minocha from the Open University in the value of virtual fieldwork and whether having taken part in a virtual field trip uh, students questioning was improved as a result because they actually had something to frame the questions around and it did seem like it did have some some value but you know Google have since closed expeditions so if Google themselves aren't don't seem to be confident that this is going to go somewhere then they shut projects down quite quickly I'm sure Google would, if they felt there was a real value in rolling this out across education across the world, they'd have pursued it a bit more. Or maybe, of course, they're, they're simply developing something else, which is going to be even more dramatic. I mean, if you look at, uh, let's take, say you look at a picture of sand dunes in a textbook, you've got this very nice succession of sand dunes, uh, you know, the four dunes, the yellow dunes, the grey dunes, the dune slacks, and it all, but, you know, textbooks also use the same model. But you, you take them out to Holcomb Beach in Norfolk, and they're saying, well, where, you know, it doesn't look like it is in the textbook. Um, or you take them to a glacier and it isn't this gleaming white ice. It's, it looks like a construction site. You know, there's piles of boulders and debris and, and volcanic ash and, uh, and it's half of it's gone anyway because it's a lake now. But, you know, the real world is, uh, you know, another David Lambert quote, but, you know, the, the messy real world. Um, and students need to appreciate that you know, it doesn't always look like it is in the textbook. And Sidney Muldridge, your former GA president, he used the phrase, an eye for country. Students have to develop an eye for country to look at a landscape and sort of read it to understand why it is the way it is. And I think also Paula mentioned the social aspect. But, you know, if you take a group of students out and you say, right, you need to go up to people and ask them questions. The people who are really loud and leery in the classroom, perhaps, are the ones who are scared of going up. Whereas the quiet people then you know, suddenly get that confidence to approach a stranger. Hi, would you mind answering some questions? Um, and then the, the excitement when somebody actually does answer their questions and they can write down some real real world things. So, yeah, I think that the, there's lots of social and also geographical benefit to going out, which you don't get in the classroom. You know, when you're halfway up a mountain, if, you've not, if you're not organised, nobody's going to pass you your packed lunch like they might pass you a glue stick if you've forgotten <laughs> yours. You know, suddenly you realise, oh, hang on, 
and also for people who I taught in Norfolk who lived in the Fens, to, you know, to, to take them to the Lake District and then say to them, right, we're going to walk up there. And, you, and they say, we, but we can't walk up there, can we? You know, it's too high. You know, you know, you know. So opening their eyes to landscapes within, within their own country, not necessarily abroad even. Uh, and the final thing that Paula mentioned there was uh, how students are brought to school and don't really look out the window. They really don't. But also for, for new staff, new staff often, often come into school a particular direction. And I remember doing a, a course for, for NQTs and I found, where they, found out where they taught. And I did some Google Earth, Google Street View screenshots within 200 yards of the school entrance and put them up. And none of them recognised somewhere that was around the corner from the school because they didn't go into school that way. So it's also that, that understanding the local, the more you get out in the local area, the more you also then have something to compare pair with other places that you're then studying. That was my first activity for new teachers, actually. Bung them all into the school minibus and drive around the catchment area. Yeah, we did the same. Yeah, I I think there's another thing that's very important for me, and and I think for teachers, and also a very good, um, you know, aid if you're trying to persuade uh, senior management to to let people go out. You know, the the whole aim of of education is to try and get youngsters, um, you know, so that they will grow up and have fulfilled and and, and good lives and, and take up all the opportunities. And I think it's very important. Uh, to get youngsters out um, to, to being, to, you know, that they're not to become fearful, but to to be able to explore to, um, you know, whether it's to go into woodlands or, or open areas or, or wherever it is, um, because what we want them to do uh, is when they, uh, you know, are adults and, and they have their own children and so on, that they will take them out uh, and explore the environment, explore other places. We, you know, we want to try and get them away from just um, you know, well, being at home or, or, or not bothering to go somewhere. And I think, you know, it, it's important that in school we, we, we put, get into them that, you know, going out, exploring, seeing other places is really important. And, uh, uh, you know, with, with all the emphasis on mental health, uh, these days, you know, this sort of going out and seeing other places, exploring, going into the fresh air, learning about other places uh, and just being outside um, is really, really important. And uh, a message we need to pass, you know, via our pupils um, and for them into their adult lives. Yes, it's one for leadership teams to take on board, I think, but it's soft skills, so they're not particularly measurable. Um, I'd I was minded last time on the last podcast because I'd been doing a little bit of reading back on a project that I had been involved with. And I came across a quote that uh, David Lambert again had used from Lord Harris of Peckham. Why teach them geography? And he, he, wasn't, he, he couldn't see a place for geography in the curriculum in his school. We're going to teach them trade skills uh, because that'll set them up for life, not these soft skills that... Um, geography supposedly develops anyway that's a bit negative <laughs> what's the issue that the reports raised alan what's the key issue then in terms of fieldwork that this reports raised that that the ga suggests we need to think about and act on i don't, I don't think there's a particular key issue uh in terms of fieldwork is there a, is there a key issue um that i've not noticed uh I, i'd say this that one of them is obviously We've, we've mentioned already that the issue about um, the removal of sort of entitlement for for examinations, which might lead SLT to feel that it's not, they don't have to have that. I think it's really important that um, that heads of department can have a conversation with SLT, uh, confident that, you know, there is an expectation that all students do field work. I think that's pretty key for me, because if they hit yeah. the leadership team, yeah. 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 And, and so, and so it's, do it. I mean, I think we have to, Think about the, the ways in which we can communicate the, the message, the importance of field work in various ways. But I think that then ultimately has to come back to, you know, if we're looking at things like examinations, then decisions about timetable time, etc., and whether field work is happening will be done on, a, on an individual school basis. And so it's about communicating and continuing to communicate the value of field work. And also that schools that are doing field work are also communicating the value across their communities because I think you know if you're within a teaching within a particular town and there are six schools and one school is doing some you know amazing field work and the other one isn't and there are you know that sort of news is going to 
to reach mm. you know the the local community you know it's going to be in the local paper hopefully it's going to you know, be part of the i guess the the wider benefits of of attending a particular school and that message will get out that you know students across a particular school are are, are having more opportunities and i think although there are lots of overseas field trips and awe and wonder field trips that actually just physically seeing students out in the local area will also be something that, that the residents will also become aware of that actually you know it's I always love to see a group of primary students in particular when they're in the little fluorescent jacket and there's 30 or 40 of them and there's four four or five you know student helpers and I mean I was I was in Ghent for an Erasmus meeting about a month ago and it was it coincided with a weekend or a week where apparently um, all schools or a lot of schools do their field work because the senior students are doing exams so the younger students go out and the city was full of primary school groups and it was fantastic to see all these excited children wandering the city. So I guess the key key uh, issue is continuing to push the value of fieldwork uh, and not thinking, well, everybody knows that you do fieldwork in geography mm. and everybody will always continue to do fieldwork in geography. I guess after a hesitant start, yeah, we got there in the end, John. Thank you. <laughs> I think, um, you know, it, it's one of those straightforward things that, you know, if, if you don't do it, then you won't do it. Uh, and the, and I think why it's important, particularly uh, at a, a level and so on, and GCSE, um, is that it, it gives them uh, opportunity to relate the theory to to the to the practical and to give them good examples so they're not all writing the same thing it makes it interesting and they also find it a lot easier to write about something that they've experienced and, and that's obvious but the the, the worry about n- not doing the field work um is that and i think um you know during the pandemic of course we you know everything was it was very limited and people were just concentrating on the the, the sort of basics doing the best they could um and uh, we've got a whole sort of raft of of youngsters who went in for instance to uh, do pgces or or, or or go to to university and do geography um had very little um, you know, experience uh, uh, over the last sort of two, three years, whereas schools might have done it before, um, were very limited. And uh, they don't know how to do it and they don't necessarily know the value. So when they come into teaching as NQ, as, as, as new teachers, um, they're, they're very limited because they have had very limited experience of organising it and looking at the value. So we're looking at a sort of you know, a, a downward slope here. And I think the GA, along with other organizations, really has a big, a big need to inspire confidence, to give some help. And, and, and we have to remember that many teachers, um, for them, if they've not experienced it, they're a very basic understanding. Uh, and sometimes we start very high up um, with skill-based fieldwork and so on. And it is the confidence building to go out, uh, to be able to do meaningful things. Uh, and to also, I think the most important thing is to get the students, uh, whatever age, to actually enjoy it and the teachers to enjoy it and to actually say, that was great going out. I really enjoyed that. When can we do it again? So I think all of the geography world and and, and people in it have got... Um, a very big job uh, to try and support people to have the enjoyment in geography that we ha- we experienced uh, to pass it on. We have a duty, I think, to help teachers overcome the the, the, the negative situations they've had over the last um, you know last three two three years. The new teachers, of course, will have had no experience at all. Will they have gone through university and not done any field work, possibly, yes. and maybe a, a year or two into teaching, where yes. we've been doing our first bit of field work, they'll have had absolutely no experience. No, that's true. And, and, and I, I'm always conscious that you know, we have to look at the wider picture. The, the youngsters in front of us are going to be tomorrow's adults uh, and they're going to be doing that. I mean, I always quote in saying that, you know, today's pupils are become tomorrow's planners. Uh, and it is very important that we not only live for the day and, and the, 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 you know, the exam they're going to do or the experience, but how does this contribute uh, to their lives and to their career choices? Uh, uh, you know, we, we all as teachers need always to look ahead uh, and think about how we're preparing our youngsters to actually live in what is probably going to be a very fast-moving, fast-changing world. 
Mm. And I think geography has an enormous part to play. I think one of geography's greatest problems is it actually offers so much in so many areas. Uh, and, uh, you know, sort of from the sort of historical end to the sort of environmental end, we, we, we are subdivided in so many areas. And um, whilst this is wonderful and lot provides lots of opportunities, it also, as you were saying early on, why teach geography when you could be doing something else uh, which actually would, you know, empower the children to understand um, the same sorts of skills and concepts that you do in geography. So whilst we we have this width and breadth, it also gives us um, a little bit of an issue uh, to be able to pin things down to what we need to do. It reminds me of that Alistair Bonnet quote in What is Geography about the ambition of geography being absurdly vast, but yes. then it would be more yes. absurd not to challenge that and... Uh, and tackle it. Let's be a bit positive then. Give me an example. Tell me your best fieldwork experience, Paula. What's your best? Okay. Um, this underpins very much what Alan's been saying, what I've been saying. Uh, it's uh, when I was um, Inspector for Geography uh, in Surrey some years ago, we had situations where some schools were um, we had girls from various um, different communities uh, whose parents really didn't want them to go away overnight. Um, and their actual experience of fieldwork, of going out, was very, very limited. They knew their immediate area. They might have gone to Pakistan or, or wherever. But in fact, the rest of the British Isles as a whole was, was, was a, a, a great mystery. So I worked with the head of department. And so we decided uh, we were going to take the, the, the classes out uh, and we start with year nine because they were the ones that were going to make option choices and we took them for the day from Surrey to Derbyshire and uh, we packed them in early in the morning we went northwards um, and we had six or so when we came home quite late in the evening we had six or seven hours and it was absolutely life-changing. The, the perceptions of, of these youngsters, they couldn't believe there was a landscape uh, such as you would find. We went, we, we, we sort of centred on Bakewell uh, and that area. Uh, and they were just out on the moors. They just could not believe there were places in Britain that were like this, so unlike the, the town in which they came from. Uh, and that it changed their lives completely. And ha having met some of them when they had uh, grown up and they had families of their own, they would say to me, we always remember going to Bakewell uh, as an amazing experience. And I think that we have to think about, um, you know, that we, I know there are so many difficulties in field work, but there are usually ways around it. And if it's a long day in Derbyshire, uh, so be it. Uh, and it changed for some of them. It just changed perceptions of both their country uh, and the place where they live and also how other people lived. They were just enchanted with the landscape and also the, the accents that people had uh, when they went into the shops and people spoke in a slightly different way, different a regional accent. And I, I think uh, for me, that has got to be, um, if you like, the, the the, the, the time that I probably had the greatest impact on uh, on youngsters uh, doing field work. Alan, you're only allowed one. Well, maybe two. <laughs> uh, I, I can't promise to be uh, quite so life changing. Uh, but uh, I think when it's just when I first started teaching and going up from from King's Lane up to the Yorkshire Dales and we go to Giggleswick and I drove the minibus because I'd got the appropriate license uh, we used to stop at the cheerio cafe on the a17 for egg sandwiches uh, <laughs> head up the a1 and then we'd arrive at the field center which shared a car park with the public house and this was the day when as a member of staff one might have an alcoholic beverage in the evening when was when one was in uh, in charge of young students so i guess it's 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 seeing the change in field work you know they're much more responsible now i'm sure no teacher would have an alcoholic beverage in the evening on a field trip but uh, it was that that process of taking them from from one place to the other just the journey of, of suddenly transposing them from from Norfolk to Yorkshire seeing the landscape change the geology change that you know the limestone becoming really apparent and then the the conversations you'd have and finding yourself you know there's there's, there's the funny stories everyone's got funny stories you know the stories that 
you know, that stay on the field trip. And also sometimes some some not so funny stories, some some real disasters. Uh, but I think it's really important that young people do have those experiences. I, I guess part of the, that whole process fed into Mission Explore, um, which Dan Ellison and I sort of kicked off 12 years ago. The first book was published, actually. And it's just giving people permission to do things. I think uh, fieldwork gives you permission to do things which you wouldn't necessarily do in a classroom. Uh, and actually, those are the memorable things. I guess if you asked any any people of our, of our age or you know forties thirties and who went on a geography field trip, they'll remember. They'll they'll be incidents they remember. So as well as the uh, you know the the broader benefits, I think it's those little benefits and the little stories, which no doubt right now you know there are people who I taught remembering back to that time. I remember Parkinson when he did uh, X Y whatever. My lawyers have told me not to provide any more details, but. Uh, yeah, yeah that, those that, those additional value that you get in all sorts of ways when you step outside the classroom and go into a field. And even when you go into a city centre and the students turn to you and say, I thought you said we were doing field work. I can't see any fields around here. Let's talk about it then. Let's talk about National Field Work Week, because that's all part of widening this awareness that we've been talking about, the value field work and giving students those practical experiences. So it's going to be held... This year in the summer term, the week of the 6th to the 10th of June. So what is it? How did the idea come about, Paula? Well, um, I think it was an accumulation of all the recognition by the GA um, and and the report and the article and the TS. You know, we've identified that we need to do something. We know that fieldwork had taken a very big hit during the pandemic. Uh, and uh, obviously there were schools that were those that, um, you know, there are some schools that are so well organised in their field work, they just sort of start up where they left off, as it were. Uh, but particularly for new teachers, particularly for schools that are a bit stretched, uh, you know, their field work is something that often gets sidelined for, 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 for very real, real reasons, not because they just don't want to do it necessarily. And so we decided the GA had um, an important part to play in trying to help and support teachers uh, in going out. And so um, we were going to do it at the the first week of June after half term, and then um, uh, the Platinum uh, Jubilee uh, arrived. Uh, So we moved forward uh, and uh, (laughs) in order to accommodate the the half term that that was moved forward to. You'd think she'd admit. I know, I know. So um, what um, we decided that uh, and we approached our uh, strategic partners at Discover the World and and the Field Studies Council and Ordnance Survey uh, and so on. uh, And the Royal Meteorological Society, who also have have come in on board with this. And we decided we would have a National Fieldwork Week when when it meant that it was a coordinated time when people were able to say, yes, we can go out. It's post exams uh, for most people. And obviously, um, year 12 and uh, year uh, 11 are probably not going to be uh, main in this. But there are plenty of other classes still left in school. Uh, and we decided on the theme of change because change is is everywhere um, and it doesn't matter whether you, your school's on a housing estate or whether it's in a village or whether it's uh, wherever it is there will be change um, patterns of working patterns of travel um, change in technology and just change in the environment itself now we chose uh, the we at that time but of course not everybody goes out immediately then. So we're just saying, look, that's the focus uh, during that week. But if you're going out in June or July, then you're still part of it. You still can, uh, you know, you still, it's really an extension uh, of that week. And so we uh, have divided, we've built up a really good uh, website, which um, does give lots of ideas, because sometimes if you're new to field work, you actually, well, do I just do the streets or do I do traffic counts or whatever? So there are parts on the website which say, have you thought about these areas to go to? Have you thought about doing some uh, field work in, in in these particular locations? We've also put in some, a whole range of primary and secondary examples of what people might do. Now, 
it's um it's very important uh, when you're doing something like that to sort of look at what's you know what are the other tractions that schools might be doing at the time and of course a lot of schools are doing uh, platinum uh, coronation events and uh, timelines of her majesty from 1953 to to present day and so on so we've actually and very much history underpins geography and geography underpins history. So we've put in some suggestions about how you might do some geographical, more orientated fieldwork linked to uh, the platinum events. And we put some suggestions into the website. We also feel in order to be part of something which is across the whole country, as it were, um, it's nice to be rewarded. So we put up um, a, a certificate as well, nice colourful design certificate, which in fact every school can going out can download uh, and they can try put put in the uh, um, student's name and award them for for the uh, National Fieldwork Week, so that they get something. Um, this is also very important that it, it is identifying they took part in a national project and hopefully um, this will come about they will want to do it next year and maybe think about doing fieldwork at other times as well. So it's really just a shared experience for everybody. We're providing some uh, information and help on the website uh, and really just saying, go out, think about exploring your area and have fun and, and really enjoy being outside after the time long time that we've actually been rather incarcerated in the classroom and from that we're hoping that confidence will build um you know we've got lots of resources and the other thing about this section of the website it's free nobody needs to belong to the ga uh, to be able to access all this information including uh, the the certificates we hope as a result they might join the GA because obviously we're you know we're a good organization providing this sort of uh, you know rather nice help but they don't we our main our main theme our main wish is just to infuse teachers support them give them some ideas and encourage them to go out at some point between now and the end of term. The idea of change, I think, is a really interesting one. It's such a simple word. But for us as teachers, sometimes I think we can make, I'm speaking for myself, I suppose, we can make assumptions that students recognise change in their area. But when you're 13, you don't. It hasn't changed. Not only that, but a house that's in a 1960s build is just as old as an 1860s build, if you haven't had it pointed out to you. So the whole idea of change is really intriguing. And I think... A, a, it's open to a lot, but it, it, there will be, if there's any teachers like I was, young and a little bit naive, that there are some teachers that need to, to be acquainted with that idea of change as a concept and how they might do that within, within their fieldwork. What you might, how you might take students out, because you're only looking at one thing, how do you, how do you make it into an exploration of change? So interesting. It's about getting teachers back into the idea of doing fieldwork as well, isn't it? By giving them lots of lots of encouraging ideas. You could try this. You could try that. You could try the other. When you're stuck for ideas, that's the, I think that's the worst thing. So it's getting teachers acquainted again to with with the idea of fieldwork with some good ideas. And you're both full of them, Alan. You've got shed loads of recommendations for fieldwork and and places to go to find it if it's not on the GA website. I have indeed. I think the first thing to say is the GA has, uh, you know, has, a, has a history, if I can use that word, of uh, encouraging people to get outside. Um, you know, if we think back to 1930s, uh, Dudley Stamp, uh, you know, the land use survey, uh, which is actually available as, a, as an ArcGIS map layer, I believe. So you can look at how the landscape's changed since the 1930s. I think, uh, you know, we used to now using that idea of overlays and mapping to, to look at change, historic mapping on Digimaps, for example, uh, you know, even just showing the students how Ely has changed and what, what hasn't changed as well. You know, the cathedral has clearly been there for quite a while, but the train lines and the street patterns, in addition to what's changed, it's also the things that haven't changed, which we could also look at. I mean, the land use survey was then repeated in the 60s, 
We had uh, Geographies of the Window, Coastline 2000. You know, we've had some really big national national projects, which actually at the time were quite were quite costly for the GA. This is a this is a a lighter touch. We've had a year of field work. We thought about how about a day of field work? How about a month of field work? An hour of field work? What's a reasonable time frame? So so a week seems about right because across a week you've perhaps got you know your various teaching groups and you'll find one lesson for each group perhaps where you can take them out during the week. I've really thought about not necessarily tying it in to the curriculum, although you could tie it in with what you're studying, but really think about the local area immediately. So within my own school, students are going to be looking at um, front gardens locally and the idea of of drainage. One of the uh, uh, projects that the London National Park City has been involved with is uh, looking at front gardens. And if, if if every garden in London just made one metre square green so for example if you use a front garden for parking a car just take up the you know the middle paving slabs and have a strip of planting down the middle which will be underneath the car when it's parked there um, that would shift the actual green nature of London to be more than 50% green and whereas it's presently just below so just small changes like that so we're going to be looking at um, how housing of different kinds because of, of course different ages of housing were built without the need for car parking if you've got lots of Victorian terraces around your school, people didn't own cars in Victorian times generally unless they were wealthy. And if they were wealthy, they didn't live in a terraced house near the centre of the city. So so it's looking at change there. We, we've got some really interesting infill and you can look at the uh, CDRC mapping to look at how uh, ages of housing has changed within your, your town. So we go to Cromer and Sheringham, for example. You look at the ages of the new builds and the new builds are often well, they're often on the floodplains and they're closer to the cliff and you can ask questions about how housing was allowed to be built in such in such positions. Uh, the high street obviously has gone through a, a lot of change. A lot of buildings have changed in terms of shops closing, but also new businesses opening. I think it's interesting to look at how certain areas of our lives have, have, have benefited. So I think a lot of personal ser- services that you can't get through Amazon have, have benefited. You can't get a haircut through Amazon. Uh, you can order a book through Amazon, but so it's those changes in the in the high streets uh, structure, I guess, that you could also look at. And even if you're not necessarily thinking about change, this would be an opportunity to benchmark what it is now. And the next year, mm. you go out, and that's when you look at change because you've got to have something as a benchmark to compare the change with. So I think that's something I'll also be considering. The other aspect of it is just to get students talking to, to residents and visitors. I'm, I'm fortunate to work in a school which is in very close to the centre of a small city of Ely. We do have a lot of tourists. There will be tourists in June. It, the weather is improving. The, the, I'm sure the, the weekend events will bring people out. It's about the students understanding perhaps why people would choose to come to, to Ely. What is it that brings them there? What makes it a special place? So it's just simple questions around that. And we've set up a survey one, two, three form. Students uh, generally have a mobile phone with them. So, you know, they're going to be given permission to, to have the surveys on their phones and to record what, what their findings. And of course, when we come back to the classroom, because we're using survey one, two, three, they will already be collated for us. We won't have to spend time with the paper questionnaires, you know, cross-referencing, tally charting, all the things that we used to do. Um, and the data is there available and we can then start to look at the patterns and the trends. You know, we'll, we'll look at some simple simple things. You've got the license plate tags, which are uh, slightly problematic, but at least gives you a sense of where where the cars in the, the main city car parks, you know, where they were registered at least, even if they've changed hands since. Um, are there lots of local cars or, or from further afield? We'll also be around and about looking at uh, some of the changes in the, the local woodlands. We're going to look at lichens and air quality. We've got some little field studies keys, uh, part of the Opal system. If you remember the open air laboratory, the Opal surveys, those are available on a number of a number of archive sites, including the Southwest Geography site now. And there's ideas for looking at changes in in the weather, changes in the landscape. So no shortage of things that you can look at in terms of change. Um, and I think you mentioned that John earlier that the notion that students don't you know recognise change. We, I was teaching about coastal processes this week and showed them the classic picture of me in my shorts, aged four, <laughs> next to that arch at Selwitz Bay. And then the, the arch today on the, one of the Time for Geography videos. 
and you can see how the arch has grown. But in 50 years, it's still going to be there in a couple of hundred years time. You know, these these things take time sometimes, whereas other changes, high street changes every day. The, the, the Ordnance Survey map thousands of changes every day on their master maps. And that's some of the other things that we looked at. You know, we looked at uh, the Holderness Coast and, and the changes at Withensea in particular um, that have happened within the last year, you know, and houses, streets, all sorts of changes there. So if you can live I on the up, coast. Can I just pick up on one of the things you mentioned, Alan, mm-hmm. um, this business about weather, because we talked a lot about sort of uh, buildings and streets and things. Um, and a very simple thing on change is, is, is actually, as you're saying, the opal uh, work. But, you know, to go out and to and to uh, record weather conditions at you know at nine o'clock in the morning and then 11 o'clock and then one o'clock and just actually look recording um, rather than just thinking about oh yes it's it's doing this or that um actually doing some specific recordings looking at cloud cover and things like that so change can be literally measured during a day and and i loved your bit about um uh you know the the drainage and and cars and so on And, and i've recently done one on um you know, because it's sometimes tough if your school is in an urban area or sometimes I get, again, you know, we're in, we're in a very poor area. You know, we've got a load of council houses and there's nothing. How to, you know, looking at how people personalise their houses uh, and, you know, what do they do to make change uh, and to make it their own? So I, I think some of those, it's wonderful to go further afield, but nowhere is without its possibilities. It's a tricky one, I think, for for non-specialists. I was doing some work with, um, now was it Y2s or Y4s? I can't remember. I'd taken a photograph of my garden, which is, it was in in summer, very green. And I was wanting to do the idea of change. And I went out about six o'clock in the morning and and did a sound recording. And the sound is full of blackbirds and thrushes, really loud. By nine o'clock, because at the bottom of the garden is the snake pass, the A57, which is fast commuter into Sheffield. You can't hear a thing for traffic. So I recorded that as well. And then I took a photograph. Well, I had a photograph already of winter, which is exactly the same view. And I just added a sound to that one. I didn't record it. I added a wind sound. And I got the teachers to imagine what the garden was like. And I got the students to do it when I I, the little little children to do that. The non-geographers didn't think it was geography. Yeah. Which was it was and what I'm saying is is it is it geolocated? What do you mean by geolocated? Can can we map it? Are we looking at change over time in my garden? And how has it made you feel? And they they thought it wasn't my idea. I got it from Paul Rowan, I have to say. Paul Rowan's gave me the, the and Steve Rawlinson. So I'm not claiming the idea, but they didn't think it was geography, but they thought it was fantastic. So we do have an issue with helping people see some of the really interesting things you can do with geography that are really quite personal because we were we were talking about how this made us feel how the change in the landscape affected us just from our own my own garden i don't know what the answer is for for helping non-specialists to make that step into understanding its geography maybe it is just giving them resources i don't know i don't know if you've got a view on that well, I think, um, you know, visit the GA website as well. And I think a lot of other organisations, I mean, the Field Studies Council have got some brilliant suggestions up about National Field Work Week, um, easily understood, which I think is the important thing, easy to follow. Um, and likewise, the Royal Meteorological Society, they've got some really interesting things there as well. So it is scouting round for ideas and also not worrying, go out, do something, uh, and then, you know, come back. And as Alan was saying, you know, you learn um to to do more things with the with you know once you've had the experience so it's not always going to be um a a huge success as such you're going to be learning with the students as to how you might make more of this next time you go out take photographs of what you're doing have a display at school just make sure um, that uh, people know about it and uh, we've got to remember that pupils sometimes think of their visits on fieldwork as some of the most memorable occasions in their lives in school. Yeah I think it's just get, getting out and also if you're exploring place just that idea of place I think is really important. Positioning students in unfamiliar places, looking at change over time, the more that you can also I guess personalise it. Students love finding out a little bit more about about their teacher. 
just as the teacher wants to find out more about students. So sharing those pictures of you, I think, when you're young, it is important. And to make the point that that, that was when you particularly got interested in geography, when you went to Cheddar Gorge as a, as a child, or when you, you, know, you experienced the coastline for the first time. And I think also, if we think about the use of, of images, actually already starting to think about with young people about the power of images and the choices of images that we use. And the final thing, I guess, would be to think about the, the different experiences of the same place. Somebody who's homeless would, would see perhaps the potential of a place in a different way. I, I use Danny McCaskill's uh, cycling videos where he, you know, he does his amazing stunts uh, through cities and uh, you know, up, up the Coolin Ridge and so on. And, and he sees a tree or a, a rock as a, as a potential for one of his tricks. You know, he'll look at it in a different way. A planner would look at a field and see potential for something, whereas a young, a young student would think, great, I could play football on here. The planner's thinking houses. The, uh, you know, the environmentalist is thinking habitat. So it's also putting on those sometimes magic spectacles and thinking, right, now you're a planner, now you're a farmer, now you're a, a tourist. You know, what are you seeing here? What, what, what are you now seeing? Because you're, you have that different geographical lens. And I think that's something we need to develop as, as early as possible. And that's something I've been trying to do. And, and I, there's an excellent article, may I say, in the uh, primary geography uh, summer 2022 where i share the work i've been doing with my key stage two team at, at, at kings and uh to, to to develop the curriculum but also uh, you can download the booklet that we actually use with year fours when we went to Hanstanton to look at what makes it such a special place and it isn't what you might expect from a key stage two field trip the thing i'd, I'd say also is um, sometimes when you go out to do field work which is very much about collecting data you know, students' eyes are cast down on the, they're looking at the river all day. They're looking at the pebbles all day. They're not taking a moment just to look around them and, and get the bigger picture. Uh, and, and of course, field work is about inquiry. And there's also an excellent book written by John Widowson and myself, which gives, if, if you are really wanting something off the shelf to you straight away, 10 fully worked ideas in, in, the, in towns and in cities, in coastlines, national parks, uh, called Fieldwork Through Inquiry. So there is there is material there. There's free material on the GA website. Thanks very much to, you know, as Paula said, the Field Studies Councils, Key Stage 2 and 3 examples. Just, just two examples for Key Stage 2 and 3. That, that's all you need because in that week, it might be you focus on one particular thing and get everybody out doing the same, or you just want something slightly different for different age groups. And uh, the other thing potentially, of course, is find out what what, what parents skills are in this area there may be parents who work in outdoor occupations who collect data like this all the time or can bring in their gps units that they use or their or their existing sort of data and that also shows that geography is a career path for people although people might not call themselves a geographer they're using geography all the time in their careers and a lot of those people are working outside so if you like working outside to, you know, studying geography is a pathway into those careers where you're going to be out in the great outdoors. Well, my, last, my last question was going to be <laughs> takeaway advice for teachers thinking about setting up a fieldwork activity. And that you've given us <laughs> takeaway advice for teachers thinking about setting up a fieldwork activity, yeah. Alan. And I, I want to give you the final word then, Paul. Perhaps you and Barnaby, maybe. Oh, Barnaby Bear, yes, the re yes, the reemergence, yes, ideal for taking uh, out with youngsters and, uh, you know, personalising it. And of course, he can have fieldwork trips with them uh, on holiday as well. Um, I think the other thing that to, to, to just add to what um, Alan was saying about the resources, we've got a superb um, uh, guide, everyday guide to primary geography in the GA on local fieldwork by Julia Tanner and Jane Whittle. And that's brilliant. Uh, so well written, but it's useful for teachers that just need confidence to read through and think, do you know what? I can do that. I can do that. So I would say that um, have a good look at uh, the GA, what the GA can offer um, and, uh, you know, take, take it from there, because I think there is a lot and we will be happy to, to help people, um, you know, the, if they need to get in touch with us uh, uh, about um, helping them, you know, sort of with and get building their confidence in fieldwork. It's a great opportunity. Um, there are thousands of people and thousands of schools actually um, in, involved in this uh, National Fieldwork Week. So why not be part of it?
Yeah. And the final thing to say is please, please share back what you get up to. Please let us know. You know, we want to see pictures. We want to see smiley faces or, or pixelated smiley faces. We want to see uh, the data, you know, the experiences, share that back, whether that's to the GA directly, that there's all the information's on the National Fieldwork page. You know, I, I've obviously got my Twitter account you can get in touch on, but uh, tell us about it. Don't keep it to yourself. Brilliant. Thanks for talking us through Fieldwork. That's been a really good session. I've really enjoyed that. Thank you both. Thank you, John. Thank you very much for inviting us.